Brian and Jen, would you like to come do our reading and lighting of the candles now? So we'll light the purple one that we already did and then another purple this week. And we have two passages that we're going to have read, one from reading from Mark and one from Isaiah. Mark chapter 1, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. The messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse hamel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And from Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and that her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together, the Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout the people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Needed my coffee. Just got to be able to wet that whistle. Thanks, Brian and Jen. Hope I don't get on that. Seems like a minute since I've been up here to preach. See you, buddy. Have fun. 
um, we had Thanksgiving and we've been doing the discernment process. And so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm super excited this morning. How many of you all already feel like, oh my goodness, it's two weeks till Christmas? Isn't it like 15, right? Yeah. I was gone all week this week to, on a work trip to Orlando, and man, whenever I got back, I could not believe it. It's one of the reasons that we do celebrate Advent, I hope, is to help us slow down just a little bit, pause, create space. I know Greg opened it up last week, and I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm sure he talked about us uh, remembering the arrival of the Lord and looking forward to his return. And man, it's so necessary for us. Um, man, our, which, it just feels like every year gets busier. And part of the reason is probably our own faults because we just keep putting more stuff in our own schedules. But some of it's awesome and great. Like Jen was talking about having you know, dinners with people and parties, like super fun stuff. You know, it's, it can be really, really wonderful. But I do think it's really important. Um, I, I love it for my for myself, I guess is that selfish, but I think it's important for the people of God to take time to remember and reflect on these types of things, and I am very excited about that. Oh, my slides are up. Nice. Is that a little popping noise? Did you guys? Let me uh, adjust this a little bit. Okay. If it keeps, it'll, that will, I don't want it to distract. It did it again. Is that me? I'm doing it? Am I? For those who are listening on the podcast right now, you're like, what's happening? They hear me breathing heavily and maybe shuffling my neck around. <laughs> well, this morning we're going to start off actually in Mark, and then we're going to work our way backwards to Isaiah. The two passages that we read uh, work together because Mark actually quotes the Isaiah passage that, we, that Brian just read for us. So if you want to turn to Mark chapter 1, You know, Mark is just going to dive into things. Yeah, it's me. Let me. I'm going to keep readjusting this mic to where I must be blowing out too much. Um, Mark just kind of dives in, and if you know, if you've read the book of Mark, it's probably easily recognizable that he uses terms like immediately all the time, and like here we go. He doesn't. We don't get the backstory. We don't get the shepherd story. We don't get the the wise men or anything like that. We just dive in, and I love it. I think these first eight verses that we're about to look at are pack an incredible punch and was thrilled to get these verses, actually. So Mark opens up, as Brian read for us, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I thought to myself, we could unpack that for quite a, some time, and as a preacher, you just kind of have to decide what to unpack and what not to because we could talk forever. Some of us feel like we probably do talk forever, um, but, you know, I love how Mark begins his gospel, as we call it, with that term, recognizing that what he's about to talk about is good news. Like, I know I've shared this before, but sometimes people preach the gospel, and it almost comes off as bad news or scary or meh, like, I don't know, I mean, I think it's good, sounds all right. But Mark's very clear off the bat that this is incredible news. If you think about the people that Mark uh, is writing to here, you have Jewish folks who 
are under Roman rule right now. And we don't know what that's like. We, we live in America where I guess we rule ourselves for better or for worse. Uh, but they are kind of a shell of what they once were. Uh, think of Solomon's kingdom and David's kingdom and Israel being this great nation and being very powerful. And now they have the temple, like they have some things going on, but uh, they're not free. The Romans were very, very powerful. So it's good news to the Jewish people. It's as we read further in Mark's gospel and other gospels, we see that it's great news to Gentiles like us. That because of this advent, what's taking place, we are going to have the door flung wide open to be part of God's family. And that's incredible, <laughs> and incredible news. When I read uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we hear that it's good news to people who are poor in spirit. It's good news to people who've been mourning, which we'll actually see, and uh, Diane was sharing about that. The sermon today is titled, Comfort, Oh, Comfort My People. Um, there's a lot of mess that's going on in the world uh, and we will see the character of God and part of it is to bring comfort. Um, it's good news to those who have been hungering and thirsting for righteousness, who have been longing for Messiah, who've been longing for a kingdom. As we read through what Jesus does, it's good news to people who are physically poor. It's good news to people who are ostracized. It's good news to people who have skin diseases and they're marginalized and others don't want to be around them. This is really good news. Like this changes, this advent changes everything. It's wonderful. So Mark tells us that there's good news that's about to be given. And then he says this good news, though, has not occurred in a vacuum. Or as I think some of us may wrestle with, the idea that our generation is the greatest generation and we don't think of the shoulders that we stand on with all of our technological advances which are so superior, maybe they may bring more harm than good sometimes. Often they do, I'm sure they do. But Mark says, he doesn't say this is just for this generation. He actually goes back hundreds of years and says, well, this good news of Messiah, Jesus the Anointed One, We'll go back to Isaiah, and sure, he could go back even further than that. But he goes back to Isaiah to, let me get my, where's my phone? Let's try, this, try to do this slides thing, and let's see how it works, huh? Hey, it does. Okay, all right. He goes back to Isaiah, and we see an Isaiah-type prophet that he's going to pull out, John. He goes back to a people that are in exile, and it says, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him. Yeah, went too fast in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. If we read about Isaiah, we read that Isaiah wore animal skin and a leather belt around his waist. Like you see these kind of echoes and other prophets that did some similar things. But we're reminded here, as Mark introduces incredible news, 
that God's people were in awful exile hundreds of years before. And as we'll get into Isaiah, it's their own faults. Like, they sinned, they struggled, God had called them to be this light, as we read, what you're saying is your glory fills this room, light to the, or let it go forth to the nations, they were failing to do that. It's interesting, Mark opens up, here's good news, but let's go back to Isaiah and let's remember exile. We'll get there. Another thing that there's like little hints, and as we look at and read other gospels, we see you know, the word wilderness here, and we'll see other things that Mark talks about, Matthew talks about. We get these hints that this advent also echoes or goes back to uh, Exodus. And is this, man, this is really popping and being annoying, isn't it? Let's do this. Is this another Exodus for God's people? God delivered his people, as we read through the whole book of Exodus, from slavery to the Egyptians. We see God, we see layers of time folding over where God is rescuing his people from the Assyrians. He's, will he rescue us from the Babylonians? Is this a new exodus? And is Mark saying that something grand is happening here? Because Mark and them know that God did rescue them from the Babylonians. Have we been in a type of exile are we being rescued yet again? Let me flip to the next slide here. But Mark says, when he quotes Isaiah, that there needs to be preparations that need to be made. I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. And as the prophet speaks in Isaiah telling the, Babylon, the Israel who is in Babylonian exile, God's going to set things right. God will return to the temple in Jerusalem. The people will return. But there must be preparations. Mark is saying, with the advent of this Christ, he is so grand that there will be preparations. See, in antiquity, even today, right, like if some great leader of a nation or someone's coming, we prepare for them to come, right? Like even Murfreesboro, y'all, you know, if we uh, had a, the president coming and we knew, you know, the streets they were going to turn down might fix some of the potholes in the road, right? Like we might be like, hey, or if we knew someone was coming here and we keep this place clean, but we might be like, man, we're going to finally do something about this carpet. Like we're going to finally do something because this person is coming up. It's, Matt's going to light a match to it. <laughs> but why? Why are the preparations so, why do we prepare? Because of the greatness of the person. Israel was to recognize in their exile, prepare, make the path straight. You are returning because God in his glory and his goodness will return to Israel. They're exiled. They're so far away from the place of God's presence. Straighten the paths. God is returning. Now Mark here says prepare the way. There is someone great. There is an advent taking place in this place person is so incredible, there needs to be preparations. And we see that, and we see that preparations being made, the crooked places being made straight, 
as Mark tells us, as we read, as people go out into the wilderness, repent. They are turning from their ways. They are preparing their hearts and being baptized, preparing for the Messiah. Whether they fully understood what that was, I'm sure they probably didn't. But there are people going out in droves to be baptized. Um, I thought maybe that's some little bit of practical thought this time during this season for Advent for me is if I knew as we look forward to the Lord's return, he was returning this week. I might need a few things straightened out in the old heart. <laughs> uh, they were preparing. I don't know if they realized it or not, but if we think of the Babylonian exile and God's return and the temple being rebuilt and God's presence returning to that temple, they probably don't realize that their hearts are preparing to actually be the temple. It's awesome. Let's go. Let's move. Which is exactly where he, kind of the reading kind of ends. Verse 7, I pick up, I read 6. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I've read that passage so many times, and that's incredibly powerful. Especially if we're talking about in light of preparations being made for the greatness of this person. John, who is a prophet, who is speaking from God, who is baptizing all kinds of people, people are repenting, all these things are taking place. God, there's a move of God taking place. And he says that this one coming after me is so great, I can't even untie his sandals. That's, that hit me in a special way this week, um, the greatness of our God and King. I have baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And again, I believe we're looking back in the context of he's got Isaiah and remembering God and the people's return and his return to temple and the idea that we are going to be the temple as we are immersed in God's spirit. Wow, Mark, way to start off with a bang, man. This is pretty good stuff. If y'all want to go back to Isaiah... We're going to go to Isaiah 40, and maybe we'll get some more illumination of to what Mark may be hinting at as he opens the gospel and immediately dives into this context, the story of what happened to Israel. The book of Isaiah is very interesting and sometimes hard to kind of follow along with. Um, in Isaiah 39, prior to this, King Hezekiah has invited the Babylonians to see how great his kingdom is. You all remember that story? And he's so impressed with himself and what they've done that he's showing everything to them and then is reprimanded a little bit for that. Like, hey. And then this story, uh, ironically or whatever, it takes this twist. It skips from 39 to 150 years in, where the people of God are actually enslaved by those exact same people or exiled that Hezekiah was bragging to about what the kingdom looks like, about what his kingdom was like. Whoops, click the wrong slide. There we go. So I want us to try to imagine and put ourselves where the Israelites are. And I don't think we can quite go there because... 
if we were exiled and taken away to another country, um, that would be unpleasant, to say the least. But any of us in this room live in the same house our parents lived in? Not even one. Any of us live in the same land that Jonah raised his hand. Yes, you do live in the same house. That, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Any of us live on the same land, same neighborhood that our parents that we grew up in? Not a one of us. We're talking about people who lived in the same land and farmed it and knew the earth and their parents and their grandparents. And like this is this is to be removed from that, to be removed from the place of God's presence where you're how you worship God. Like now we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, but then you took sacrifices to temple, you went to temple, you prayed towards temple, you prayed at temple. Could you imagine how disorienting that would be to lose the land that you've grown up on, the land that you've farmed or cultivated, the land that uh, where your worship is? Like, could, I mean, in COVID, we had a little bit of that. Like, we're his temple. We gather together. The community of believers is pretty important. And yet, we kind of got disoriented from that. Anybody felt like that whenever it happened and we're not used to just a little bit? Imagine being in another land and being totally removed from that. We don't have Zoom and things like that to be able to come together as the people of God. Um, To make matters worse, you did it to yourself. And you recognize that we as a people, we as a people, we're together, have sinned. Like We've struggled. Like Isaiah says, They've paid double for their sins. The Lord's a just God. It's because their sins deserved it. Like they had failed over and over again and didn't learn from the Assyrian exile came. Like they didn't learn. Like they're, this is happening over and over. And we see that they're needing rescue. And what I love about the character of God and that we see in Judaism, we see in Christianity, that we don't really see a lot of other places, is when you have a people who are suffering, which that's a whole nother can of worms and question to go on, why do we suffer? There's people who don't believe plenty in God at all because of this question of suffering. We do see in Judaism and Christianity, we see that God comes to suffer with his people unbelievably right like why do we say here a people that are groaning in exile that sinned against god we see him bringing a word and what's this word it's a word of comfort comfort things are going to be set right like this isn't over israel or the plan is not ruined And he says, comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. And then we jump into a voice cries out. I'm going to take a few moments because how can we read comfort, O comfort, my people, and not listen to a little portion of Handel's Messiah because it opens up, and it's so good. And I want us to like think through, or like maybe even imagine ourselves being in exile as we listen to a few moments of this. I'm going to try to do this from my slides, I think. Jonah, are you back there? Okay. I'm gonna, let me see what happens, because I have it to start. I'm not going to start at the very, very beginning. We're only going to um, listen to a few minutes.
PC audio might be muted, Kyle said. Is the PC audio muted? Okay. Not anymore? Alrighty. That's a much better sermon than I'm preaching. I wish that we could just keep listening to that. And then it's so beautiful. It's like, where do I stop? Uh, but I thought that would be uh, talked about taking spaces and moments to just uh, slow down a little bit. I think that was, man, that's beautiful. I love that. The National, National Symphony is playing that, the 15th, 16th, and 17th. And I know most, many of us are going to be preparing for the Christmas thing here, the 15th, 16th, and 17th, or at least the 16th and 17th. God is a God who comforts his people. Um, I show this picture of someone portraying Jesus because it's not Yahweh and 
500 and something years prior only that comforts. We see this anointed Messiah coming and again, one of his first messages is blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. This is who God is. This is what happens when God's kingdom gets established. Jesus also, before he leaves in the book of John, is trying to comfort his people, like his disciples, telling them that he's going to leave. And he says to them, you know, don't worry, I'm going to bring you another comforter, uh, advocate, someone to come along your side. I think with the context, it really, a lot of translations say comforter, and I kind of go along with that. Um, Another comforter. Does that mean that he is a comforter? His kingdom is a kingdom of comfort. That again, God, even though we don't always understand why we're in the situations that we're in, Israel being exiled to the Babylonians, Israel then in Mark's day being under Roman rule. But we recognize that this is a God who comes to be with his people. Um, that's, that's reassuring. I, would be lying to you if I hadn't ta- thought much about uh, Miss Lydia and Steve and Mandy this week. Uh, and on top of that, recognizing that there's no words that I can say to Steve that would bring him probably a whole lot of comfort, but there's someone that can bring comfort. Um, doesn't mean that it magically erases the pain and <laughs> the challenges, but there is a comforter um, that's here. And that even in our struggles, whether... It's horrible things taking place in the world, struggles that we're going through. We can recognize that our God chooses to come be with us, even when we deserve it. Uh, I kind of get this, got this picture. You ever, picture. Have you ever had to like punish a child? Most all of us probably have, um, because they needed punishment. But you had to also go give them a big hug and like bring comfort to them because maybe they're weeping. Uh, they recognize how foolish they were and, and you just want to give them a hug. You can't take away the punishment because you recognize if you do that, then they're not going to grow. But you want to just be there with them in the midst of it. Um, I feel like that, that's the type of God that we're seeing here in Isaiah, the type of God that we're seeing with, through Jesus, through this anointed one, a God that comes to bring peace and comes to comfort. And there's great comfort here because God's plan isn't thwarted, because God's plan isn't over, because he is going to set things right. And we, in the midst of our pain and challenges, can recognize that as part of why we're celebrating Advent. We're looking for, we're saying God is setting things right and there will be a fulfillment and a fullness. Right now we're participating in it and he will return. The king will return again. I'm not going to go back through um, the, de- the passage that Mark said, so I'm going to skip real quick to verse 5. Uh, this is after he says, you know, the uneven ground will become level, the rough places a plain, as we talked about here. The, the, there's a leveling uh, of the roads and uh, the terrain. It says, then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I'm sure there were many nations that wrote off the Israelites when the Babylonians took them captive. 
that thought Israel could never return to anything remotely like they had been before. But in Isaiah's day, we see this prophecy that's saying God's glory is going to be revealed and the people are going, the nations are going to see God's glory. And they did. They saw the glory of God whenever the people actually returned. They saw the glory of God when it took time, walls were rebuilt, when temple was rebuilt. They saw glory of, the glory of God when his presence filled that second temple. And if Mark is pointing back to this story, we're seeing that, he's saying, we're seeing that again. You know, we've talked about that Hebrew cyclical type of time and thinking that we're seeing another return from exile. We're seeing God's presence coming back to tabernacle among us, to temple among us. And all nations, us and the Gentiles, as we say, we get to see the glory of God. Like, it's incredible. He says, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. There's this uh, contrasting with human life and the frailty of it and the power and the endurance of words like the people of Israel are hearing, the word of God. Um, that kind of made me, you know, I, I turned 40. That's why I wasn't here last week, you know, at that. But when I hear about Mr. Ben's aches and pains, I feel really good right now being 40. <laughs> we talked before. I was like, man, I ain't complaining a bit. We all want to be, probably, I don't know, uh, would love to be remembered for something great. Very few humans ever will be, right? Like, I know that's, I'm not here to be a, there's not a Debbie in here, is there? I don't mean Debbie Downer, you know, I don't want to say that, but like, I am. But like, after your, you know, grandkids, like, they're probably, people probably won't really remember you, you know? <laughs> now, your effects may ripple throughout all kinds of time, right? The way that you treated people and like they've passed that down, they've passed it down, they've passed it down. But we're like grass, you know? And there's that, you know, comparing that to God's word, like the idea that these words, Israel, that you're hearing, the, this word of comfort to my people, this word that things are going to be set right, they needed to hear this is going to happen. People may be flaky, life and on earth may be here and there, we may be a vapor, but when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And I think that that's so powerful for us as we think of Advent and we do think of Christ's return. And there's times whenever we're like, goodness gracious, it's been thousands of years. Is this ever going to happen? Lord, have you seen the wars that are taking place? Have you seen the horrific things that our children are exposed to? Have you seen these things? When are you going to return? We know that it endures. He said, I'm coming back. He will come back. We may pass and we may move along. People may remember us. People may not remember us. But God's word is, will never pass. And that word becomes flesh, is what we read in John's gospel, to come into tabernacle among the people. So what do we do with all of this? Get to a slide. 
I think this is, besides the Debbie Downer John that I did, uh, this is a Herald. This is the best picture I'd come up with, sorry. Too bad Harold's not here. Um, <clears throat> could have him stand up. We have a Herald among us. All right. Uh, what do we do with this good news that Mark talks about? Uh, I hope that it hasn't been confusing going back and forth kind of, but they are woven together, what Mark is doing. What do we think about when we consider the advent of this king, the coming of a kingdom? That, that, changes, that changes everything. That brings comfort to the brokenhearted. That brings healing to people who are broken. All these things that the anointed one did and would accomplish. What do we do with the fact that God is going to restore Israel from exile to the Babylonians? What does the prophet speak and what does he say to do? He says, get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. We are called ambassadors. We're called heralds for the kingdom. We get to share and live out this kingdom life and this good news that God's a God that restores, that God's a God that brings back from exile, that God's a God who cares for the marginalized. I'm going to end by simply reading the last verse here because I think it's just me commentating on it is probably make it worse. With all this in mind, prophet speaks to the people of Israel and says he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Father, um, we thank you for your word that does endure forever, that inspires us, that challenges us, that convicts us, um, that brings us hope, that brings us joy. I thank you for how beautiful your word is and to think of the way you know, Isaiah had prophesied and the things that you had spoken to the people of Israel through him, the way that Mark looks at their situation that they're in now and sees it similarly and recognizes that the same way that you brought the people back from exile, you're, you're going to usher in your kingdom and bring hope the people who've been begging for hope for a long time and lord we look back at that we look back at that advent this morning with awe and we ask that uh that we would live differently because of it that we would be heralds of this good news and word and action and deed and truth and lord we we uh we look forward to your return we look forward to uh, the complete restoration of all things, but we ask how we can participate in that now, how we can participate in the healing of the nations. Uh, you know that we're in that discernment process and we're trying to walk that path. Uh, 
help us to be really good listeners and really good obeyers of what you'd have us to do. King Jesus, you're incredible. That word seems weak. We stand in awe of you. We're unworthy to untie the thong of your sandal. You're incredible, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.